This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Sex is a bit like a secret society. Everybody's doing it. It's just that no one is talking about it. Well, except for me, of course, here every Sunday night on the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, hosting this show for you. I'm also author of the book, Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other. I'm a researcher, blogger, clinician in North Vancouver, TEDx speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about your body, sex, love, and your relationships. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies. Just fearless, straight-up talk about sex. I guarantee it will be illuminating, enlightening, and fun. So please stay with me. Please put the kidlets to bed as listener discretion is advised. We will be talking about sex. Of course, if your children are 35 or older, you can certainly let them listen if you haven't launched those little lazies just yet. Anyway, uh, hello, Matt. How are you? Yeah, great. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Nice to be back here. Yeah, it's Sunday again. It, here it is, Sunday again. Yeah. So, uh, How was your week? Well, you know, after I left uh, the station last week, I I don't usually drive, uh, and I didn't have my car. I had somebody else's car, and it was one of those giant, uh, dark, dark navy SUVs, you know, that looked like it belonged in a motorcade. (laughs) And, of course, there was a motorcade here (laughs) last week, which was really helpful for me. And um, uh, so I went out as I left the station, and I was with... um, the guest, the two of us were walking out together, I saw a few uh, police motorcycles and some police officers. And I said to her, you know how sometimes like you're driving along and uh, and you think that the police are after you and they're they're not. And and I said, they're I know they're not for me. And she so she said, No, no, they are. <laughs> There's a ticket on your car. <laughs> and <laughs> so I went out and I'm just like completely blonde confusion. And I said, uh why ever would you be here? You know, what, what's up? And they said, uh, they didn't answer that. No, they said, uh, we can cancel the tow truck? I said, yes, you can. And uh, so apparently there was a, uh, that space was... Reserved no, for the Royals. It was reserved for the Royals. Yeah. And the, the only reason, I'd been there for three or four hours already, but the only reason they were just trying to see if I was in any way related to the motorcade. Oh. <laughs> no. I don't think so. I think they were just late to the equation. But, um, yeah, so that's how it began. And then, of course, we had the debate. As you know, I'm an American citizen and, and uh, with a degree in political science. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I didn't know that. I love government. I love history. I love politics. I love all of it. So I was, course, Well, you know, next week we're playing the debate on CKW before the Sunday Night Sex Show. I so understand that. So why don't you that. come early and we'll have some popcorn and a glass of wine. Let's do it. Okay. Sounds like a date to me. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And then there's going to be a half an hour wrap. <laughs> up of the election after um, the live coverage. So, yeah, so that'll be great. So if you're... uh if you tune in every Sunday night, uh, you know, certainly stay with us for next week. You know what I did so this exciting. week? What was that? I actually watched your TED Talks again. You did? Yeah. <laughs> Is that why there's 475,000 views on it tonight? Yeah. I was going to review some of the comments. The comments are priceless. Yeah, they are. They are absolutely priceless. Yeah, uh, just like the emails you get, you got to put all of this into a book. Oh, my gosh. The the emails are just unbelievable. The one fellow, oh, I and I, I can't believe I'm... I can't remember what he said, but I will. I will um, review it. But he said, oh, he said, any man in 2016 
who is considering marriage needs to have his head read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a lot of sort of anti-marriage sentiment sentiment comments from people who've been married for a while and are in sexless relationships, um, sexless marriages, or haven't had sex in their marriage for a long time. And so it's pretty sad on, on some level as well. Um, but but a lot of people said, well, at least I'm not alone, and, you know, this has been a frustration for me, and I and I didn't know who to share this with, but now, like, close to half a million people are sharing it, <laughs> which <laughs> must have touched people in certain ways. As I say, if you can't touch yourself, who can you touch? I mean, really? So I might as well touch everybody there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I hope your mother's not listening. <laughs> I hope she is. <laughs> Anyway, we've got to get serious now because um, this is the sex show and we're, we're lots of education to do, but you do a great job, Matt, and I thank you even during the week when I have troubles. You're always there, so thanks so much for going oh, above. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I love helping you out. Much like the VPD, above and beyond the call of duty, and I really appreciate not getting towed or a ticket last week. That was fantastic. So, uh, But then, you know, life goes on and, and life happens and we have the debate, and, and then I had a bit of gastritis this week, and then at the end of the week, unfortunately, I I had to go to uh, the funeral for a friend, uh, a mom, and, uh, you know, that really puts life in perspective, and it makes you, you know, kind of, you know, give your head a shake a little bit and be just that much more grateful and appreciate relationships and and the loves in your lives and, you know, yeah, you all know, of that. My grandfather actually had a pretty bad fall this week, Aww. and he's 91 years old. Aww. It was it was really scary yeah. because, um, I mean, he just... He he just got home from hospital last night, so oh, everything's no. good. But, oh, that's um, good. Well, I'm glad yeah, he's he'd, better. He'd hit yeah. his head, so it was a bit scary. Oh, dear. You have your health, you have your wealth, and that's that's the bottom line. And October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I'm going to be talking about some of the issues that uh, a breast cancer diagnosis may have on your intimate relationship. So we're also going to be talking a little bit about breast health. Back to um, the debate, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the tactics that were used, whether you are uh, a Republican or a Democrat in this fine country of Canada. <laughs> in other words, if you're supporting Trump or Hillary, it doesn't matter. Some of the tactics used uh, in that debate by Mr. Trump were reminiscent of some emotional abuse, some common emotional abuse strategies, not just the mansplaining, uh, which was rampant throughout the entire debate, but um, some of the other, the lying and the belittling. And I'm going to review some of that in the second half of the hour. Francesca Murray is going to be joining me, and she's going to, she was in a uh, an abusive relationship, and she's going to talk about what that was like and uh, some of the healing that she has done. Also, could you be allergic to your partner? Well, I'll tell you. If you could be a little bit lady, you got to stay with me. And who are the sexiest men? There's a new study that uh, will define that for us, and I'll review that. And of course, since I talk about marriage a lot, and I see a lot of patients who are, are married and uh, have in, in frustrating marriages, I have to say, a lot of the men present and they're about to blow their head off. And um, but they're also thinking with their head at times, uh, the wrong head. But anyway, um, I had a guy on LinkedIn this week. This is something else that happened to me. Momo's life was a little <laughs> interesting this week. This guy, I, you know, I, I blog at Fifty Shades of Pink. And so sometimes I you know, I might write a catchy title. Let's call it catchy. Some might call it produ- provocative. Um, and, and sometimes it's a picture that might be that, you know, it's, it's okay. It, it meets all of the criteria that able to post, you know, uh, online. But, you know, it's to draw people in a little bit to the stories. 
And because, uh, you know, a story about vaginal dryness might be a little dry, but I try to, you know, make it a little sexier. And so a guy that I was connected with was uh, on LinkedIn uh, made a, a comment intimating something that was, you know, in his dreams and my nightmare. So I uh, delinked him. I outed him. I named him. I wrote him an email. I reported it to the police because I have to report all of those, um, which I don't get any. <laughs> I'm, I'm blown away that two. people use LinkedIn like that. Yes. Like every, you, you've said it a couple of weeks in a row now, and I'm having trouble believing it because yes. that is not what that site is for. No, no, no. It is. That's exactly what it's for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, don't let anyone tell you anything else. Um, but, you know, it was great. I, I, you know, I was looking forward or anything, but I just wanted to say, you know what? Absolutely not on. And, you know, somebody asked me, do you get a lot of... Uh, you know, provocative comments or negative comments or or rough comments or and and I have to say no. You know, I honestly do not. I I I had to report one other person to the police once, and that was a woman. And um and so the police said, well, oh, you know, you must get this quite a bit. And I said, I honestly don't. And so it really, I was really incensed at that. And you know, a lot of times women have to put up with that kind of thing. Um, all in the name of education around sexuality and sexual health. Anyway, so that guy is not uh, one of the sexier guys in the world. But he did email back and he said, I hope you can forgive me. I'm sorry for the grief I've caused you. I I hope you can forgive me. And of course I've forgiven him. That just means move on. Forgiveness is a gift you give to yourself. Uh, Never think of of it or him again, whatever. But anyway, um, I'm not sure even why I mentioned that, but that's just... That's life. So don't email me anything like that or I'm going to call the VPD who didn't tow my car. <laughs> anyway, um, and what are some of the most common questions married couples have about sex? Because you think that married couples talk about sex all the time and, you know, that they might actually address these questions that if they're not having sex or there's a desire discrepancy, but they don't. They just go mum on it. They don't talk about it. So these are some of the questions that you might have in your mind. Um, about that. And how about successful people in the world? We all want, we all see those successful people are just like, they just never miss a trick. They have it all going on. Well, body language plays a huge role. You know, our lives are about communication. Relationships are about communication. And uh, so there are some body language blunders that you never want to do. One thing that, you know, I'm presenting on stage, I always want to make sure I'm like standing up straight, not sort of bent over, nervous, whatever, because I want to kind of crawl away because, you know, I'm a shy person. And uh, <laughs> then I get up on stage. Um, but that's not unusual anyway. Uh, and then who are the most important people that you will meet in this life. That might surprise you. And do you have herpes? Well, your dating life is not over, and I'm going to give you some comfort down below. And then what if you discovered your husband had a porn addiction? Well, aside from uh, making sure that he is driving around in a minivan, no, um, that's for the cheating husband. (laughs) Anyway, uh, but that's a heartbreak. Porn addiction is a heartbreak, and it's very difficult for a lot of uh, spouses to recover from that. Whether you're in a same-sex relationship, uh, it could be the wife that has the porn addiction, but it's more commonly men, to be totally honest with you. So go through a little bit of that. And just talking lots tonight about... uh, passionate encounters, especially yours. If you have a question at all, if you want to give me a call, the number to call is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You can always email me sextalk 
at cknw.com. If you like, uh, when I come back, we're going to talk about intimacy and a diagnosis of breast cancer. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. If it's your first time joining the show, welcome. It's great to have you. I hope you'll stay with me. Uh, And if you are a returning customer, so thrilled that you've decided to uh, uh, continue with me, continue our relationship together, because I certainly enjoy it, and I'm delighted to have you. Uh, You know, cancer diagnosis. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and many women will be diagnosed with breast cancer, and it can come at a time in life when it just jolts you. You may be raising children. uh, You may be in the perimenopausal years. You may have just lost a parent. Um, You can be extremely busy, a high-powered career person. You can be a stay-at-home mom. It can uh, impact uh, so many aspects of our lives. It also, uh, the cancer diagnosis and treatment can cause physical changes that may affect sexual desire. Cancer treatments can put women into permanent menopause, some of them, and bring on a host of emotional challenges and other challenges for women who have embarked on that cancer journey. So some of the most common sexual health issues that I see in my clinical practice and that many women experience are and and may not expect to be quite honest with you are low libido so low sex drive and and a woman may have already had a low sex drive she may have already been burning the candle at both ends doing the lion's share of the housework working in and outside of the home trying to be perfect there are so many women today who are just trying to make the whole world think that their lives are perfect Uh, so If their libido drops even further, it can be a big problem, especially in their relationship. Vaginal dryness is another issue. Vaginal dryness can also lead to low libido. Vaginal dryness may also lead to painful intercourse. And so it's a a cocktail you don't want to uh, have happen, or you at least want to know what to do about low libido, vaginal dryness, and painful intercourse. And of course, decreased sexual sensation is a part of it as well. These physical issues add up, and many women... Women find themselves not talking about sex or intimacy. They forget that part. They avoid relations with their intimate partners, with their lovers, with their husbands, with their the women in their lives, whomever they're having a relationship with, and their intimate life will suffer. This can lead to depression and or anxiety. I hear from my patients so often that they want to resume sexual activity, but they don't know where to begin. And they, you know, it's that... It's that thing, like you don't know what you've got till it's gone, you know? And that's what I often say about vaginal dryness. But when you can have sex anytime, you know, and and that's really a lot of women who are married or in relationships, long-term relationships, or whenever they're on the dating game, if they're on Tinder, if they can, you know, play the field, whatever, and sex is just second nature. They can have it whenever they want. Uh, And then all of a sudden, the rug is ripped right out from under you. Uh, It's like, you know, I want that back. I didn't appreciate what I had until it left me. And I hear that from a lot of women. They feel like the stuffing has been kicked out of them. And they're just trying to rebuild that thread by thread. And they may have extreme fatigue, which is the number one reason for low sexual desire in women. And so they may be battling this from a place where they are emotionally 
deprived. They have, as I say, there's nothing in their emotional or physical bank account. And also, when it comes to sexual activity, a lot of women fear that they might be interfering with healing. And uh, and it may be, of course, they're fearful of painful, uh, of painful sex. Uh, so many women want... Um, you know, once they're finished with the cancer treatment, you know, it's not to say that during cancer treatment you can't have sexual relations or that you can have it, but a lot of women put it on the back burner during that time because they find it an overwhelming time of life and they are dealing with so many things. But if you want to continue your intimate relationship during your cancer treatment or resume it afterward, here are some tips. Just keep in mind that this is normal. Many patients go through this. Your cancer journey is your journey alone. And your circle of relationships surrounds you for support. And so it's it may be a different shift. It may be your partner, your husband, your lover, whatever. You may be seeing somebody outside of your marriage. And so it may be you're dealing with two different people and this may impact that as well. So things don't snap back to normal. And this is, you're a different person after this experience. So how you enjoy sexual pleasure, how you get sexual pleasure may be a little bit different going forward. And so you might want to ask yourself the question, how will I enjoy sex again? And so it may be a good idea to focus on the intimacy rather than the intercourse. Now, There are things you can do for painful intercourse. Personal moisturizers, for example. Gynotroph is a hormone-free, and a lot of women worry, especially if they have an estrogen-dependent breast cancer, but this particular... This particular gel, this personal moisturizer, Gynotroph, is hormone-free. It's easily absorbed, easily and readily absorbed by the vaginal tissues. And you take that two or three times a week into your vagina after about a week long, and that will help with that dryness, and that will help with that painful sex. So sometimes if you're anticipating that sex is going to be painful... Because this that particular product takes two to three months to actually start working, so or to optimize. It actually works after two or three or four weeks, but it optimizes after two months. So during the time before then, you might anticipate pain long before the sexual intercourse begins. So explore that intimacy. Go out for a date. Set the mood, the candles, maybe draw a bath. If you have scars or other concerns that make you self-conscious, it's time to go out and buy some lingerie or something that makes you feel good all under. And I I often advise taking uh, turns to touch each other one at a time. Ask your partner to lay down on his or her stomach. Take plenty of time to explore your partner's body. Experiment with different sensations, cold, ice, warmth, um, kissing, petting, touching your partner's body, uh, avoiding the breasts and the genitals as well. Uh, So you want to do this for about 20 minutes and then trade back and forth. Um, You know, so you want your partner then to do this. So when painful intercourse isn't anticipated, you may be more open for intimacy, enjoying it. And of course, talking to your partner is key. I know that that vaginal, the subject of vaginas is not easy for anybody. And in some cultures, it's not talked about at all. But speak with your partner about your fears, your desires, or lack of desire. That's really important as well. And often it's the other 
partner. It's not necessarily the person with the diagnosis that is afraid of resuming sexual activity. So you want to get that out into the open. There are some tools that might help. Of course, the um, personal moisturizer, lubricants, using a dilator can help with the physical side of things by preparing the vagina for intercourse because it gently stretches the sides of the vagina as well. So speak to your healthcare provider. Uh, you can always email me, sextalk at cknw.com if you have any questions about this or where to get any of this. Uh, Gynotroph, I know, is available on the shelves at the drugstores, uh, London Drugs and, and Shoppers and every drugstore apparently across Canada. And then vaginal dilators, I can tell you where you can pick a set of those up. And uh, anyway, so when I come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about vulnerability and in your intimate sex life. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on Newstalk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on Newstalk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this show for you. Lovely to be here with you this evening. It's certainly my pleasure, and it's also my pleasure when I have guests on the show, and I'm absolutely delighted to have Sephora Kingsbury. She's been on the show in the past. She's an amazing intimacy coach, and uh, she's working at the moment to revolutionize intimacy. And we're going to talk about that in her new book uh, coming up. Hello, Sephora. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for joining me. So you've been here before. You're the intimacy, vulnerability, sexuality, passion professor, basically. You're uh, involved in all aspects of improving uh, sensuality and sex lives for people and couples and whomever. Yeah, you know, I think it's I think in this day and age that is um forefront um in people's lives and I think it's one of the most important things and thing in order to bring not just relationships together but the world together in a new way. Absolutely. So you have a new campaign to help raise funds to launch Revolutionizing Intimacy, a guide to creating profound relationships from the bedroom to the boardroom. So tell me a little bit about that. You know, the book was inspired by my two decades of work and in seeing how people are living so burdened by the emotional shame, the chasing relationships to fill empty voids and really living overstimulated and not really present um, in intimacy with each other, with themselves or with the world. And so this book is a combination of story, of concepts, of, of practices, and also challenging a lot of old paradigm concepts to um, bring people back into, I want to say into their feeling body, to actually feel inside their body again and be, feel safe with their emotions, to feel safe feeling vulnerable again, and to open up in their relationships in a new way. I talk about vulnerability quite a bit as well uh, and how important being vulnerable, uh, being open, being in touch with yourself, being present uh, is for a relationship. Uh, You uh, talk about uh, how science uh, is discovering that at the root of most depression and even addiction is that really that lack of vulnerability or lack of connection, true connection with other people. Why do you think that's so important and why do you think we're seeing that in the world today? You know, you know, it's it, it's all human beings. I think the one thing that that people want is connection and love, and and it's the one thing I find, um, whether it's society or the way we were raised and growing up, is that we've moved so far away from it. 
So often I find people are craving it, but they just, um, because of the overstimulation in the world and the busyness. By that overstimulation, do you mean the computers? Sorry to interrupt you, but the computers and the phones and the internet and uh, the the living of perfection, having the perfect house and posting it on the perfect Facebook site and the whole thing all of the all of the above yes it's this right we're running to point a to point b um and we're just not connected anymore and people crave it like the, the, it's i think it's just part of our our spirit our being and our our makeup that we we need that and are they craving are they are they even mindful enough to realize that they're craving this vulnerability that they're craving this intimacy intimacy that that's what they need or are they feeding it with with jobs and with work and with um, cleaning and with shopping and with alcohol consumption and drug uh, drug use, substance use and abuse. Yeah, what I find often, it shows up like that and, and people come in feeling a lack of fulfillment and that they're trying, they are, they're filling it with everything else, but they get to the point that um, they just feel so empty, empty and they don't know where else to go. And do they, sometimes do you find that people go outside of their relationship to find that intimacy. I mean, often men cheat in a marriage. People think they cheat for the sex, and, you know, often they do. But more often than not, men will cheat because they don't feel important at home. They may be uh, emasculated at home. They may not feel appreciated by their, in particular, female partners at home. They may not feel manly enough. They may not feel worthy and so they may seek that intimacy and that they can be vulnerable with somebody else outside. You often hear them say, you know, I never felt like this. I hadn't felt like this in years. I just felt as though I was, you know, doing the grind and, you know, constantly. And I was never quite good enough. But then this other person made me feel feel worthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find there's a level of, I call it a to- toxic comfortability that happens right in those long-term relationships. And the conversations stop and... Um, there's a lot of assumption that starts to happen in those relationships. They stop talking. They stop. Sex becomes very mechanical. And um, it's like they forget about each other because they're with, with each other all the time. So absolutely they're looking outside because their heart longs for that. And what do, what are some of the recommendations that you provide to your clients? You know, the first thing, which seems obvious but can be the most challenging, is to really go inside and and connect with what their values are again. Often people forget their own values um, when they are in long-term relationships because they feel they're just supposed to settle for what's happening. And so it's as simple as getting out a pen and paper and take time to reflect and reflect and remember what your values are. And from that place, they're able to get clear on like, wow, where where have I stepped so far away from what I wanted and what I value that I'm feeling so disconnected from myself? Because right, awareness and mindfulness is the first step. And then from there, I would suggest going into some real radical, honest communication and, and learning how to do that from a place that is very mindful and responsible that they're not blaming their partner, but they're saying, look, you know, this this is what I'm noticing is happening for me in my life. I've stepped away from my value or what I love to do, and this is how I'm feeling. How can we recreate something for our relationship? Exactly. Uh, and do you find that um, that it's difficult? People have difficulty communicating with one another after years of perhaps silence or 
Uh, I mean, I see a lot of patients in my clinical practice who haven't had sex for years, and they're married, and they're remaining in the marriage for a lot of other reasons, quite frankly. The community that they live in, the house that they've built together, the children that they have, they've already had one or two failed marriages. They don't want to have a third or fourth. Um, They just find it easier not to address their problems uh, and to go outside of the relationship instead. Um, whether and they get caught, and sometimes the uh, partner denies that. You know, even it can be straight in front of them, and the partner will deny that, and they'll continue on in what you call this toxic comfort comfortability. Comfortability is that what you called it? Yes. Um, and so yeah. they'll continue on in that way, and nothing is going to change. Um, but there, a lot of people are unhappy I, and lonely because when you're in a relationship like that, you can be very lonely. And um, in my TEDx talk, I pointed out that uh, this loneliness kills. It actually elevates blood pressure by increasing vascular resistance. And people are in a sex, who are in a sexless relationship may die earlier than would be, expective, would be expected if they were not in that sexless relationship. If they were in an intimate relationship that was satisfying, they may actually live a bit longer. Mm-hmm. And, and it, right, it all comes back to that communication piece that you that you started with. And it's people might not want to go there because I'm not going to lie and say it's easy. It, it's going to be edgy and very challenging. And something to remember is they might be stepping outside of the relationship because it's easier. But right, as we know that these habits are just going to continue to overshadow their future relationships and it's just going to keep happening again and again. The one thing I see so often is people who have forgotten who they are and they're wearing all these masks and it's so tiring. And and so the communication piece, no matter how challenging it is, is if you really want to live fully fulfilled in any relationship you have and for this not to overshadow um, your life, your sex life and your intimacy, is it's going to be essential to... Um, take that that edgy step and start the communication. Exactly. And it is edgy. You're absolutely correct. And it's very difficult. And it takes a long time. You know, it it could have been a long time in a sexless marriage or relationship. And it takes a long time to turn that around. Then just getting them to have sex. And then the next step is actually getting them to have decent sex. So I'm going to have to (laughs) have you back (laughs) again to uh, we'll explore that. But for the moment, how can people be part of this global awakening and experience the joy and excitement that they deserve from the bedroom to the boardroom? by uh, contributing to your book. So what's the best way for people to do that? The, the best way to learn more about the book and, and the work is to come on by my website, and that's soulfulrelatinginstitute.com. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Sapora. Always love hearing what you have to say. We'll have to have you back. And uh, and did you want to talk about that campaign that you're having to um, to write this book? Yeah, yeah. Is yeah on your so website? all the campaign information. Yeah, so all the campaign information is right on the homepage of my website, and we are um, starting this global campaign because the vision was, right, first it was a book, then it's like the passion of really starting together to bring the world together to create such radical change around the way we relate. And and so we'd just love to inspire people to jump on board with that. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. So uh, if you'd like to help launch this book to revolutionizing intimacy, it'll ultimately help you in your relationship. You'll want to go to Sephora's website. And Sephora, that website is? 
soulfulrelatinginstitute.com. Thank you so much, Sapora. I look forward to talking to you again. Best of luck with your campaign. Thank you, Marie. Oh, you're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye now. And do is treat me bad. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I'm here with Board Op Matt. We're talking about sexy men. So guess which men are sexier? We're talking from the neck up. <laughs> my first, I was going to say Ryan Gosling was the first thing that came into my mind. But yeah, he's hot. Okay. <laughs> I think so too. Ryan uh, Reynolds as well. Another one. Yeah, you are hitting it out of the park tonight. Um, Bald men are sexier, more masculine, and better leaders and considered to be more dominant and more powerful. A recent scientific study found that men with bald heads are perceived to be everything I just said. They are the dominant ones. Whoa. Uh, So if you're bald, don't worry. You know, I hear a lot about this from men in my clinical practice, especially the young guys. They start to thin in the 20s and they are all nervous and and they may even take some medication that may lead to uh, erection function issues because they're more concerned about being bald than they are about having an erection. Come on, guys. So this is your ticket. You, if you're bald or you're losing or you're thinning it, you know, take get to the razor um, and shave it all off. Uh, so that is, um, you're sexier, all right? So we've got the bald guys smiling in Vancouver tonight. Uh, to, to maintain that sexy appeal, do not wear a toupee. Hello, Donald Trump. <laughs> Comb over. Hello again, Donald Trump. Or try to hide your baldness. Don't get plugs. That's another thing. Those are expensive little babies, but a lot of people get them. Um, but females perceive men with a shaved head as more confident, of course, because if a guy has the lady balls, shall I say, <laughs> to shave his head, Obviously, he's got to be pretty confident about himself. He's got to feel okay about himself. He's got to be, you know, and that's the kind of guy you want to be with. If you're a woman who's attracted to men, uh, you want to be with a confident guy. And if that means sexy and bald, and bald is beautiful, were you going to say something, Matt? (laughs) (laughs) You're shaking your head. You're shaking your head head full of hair, I've got to add. (laughs) You know, it's funny you say that because when I was about 27, I got a bad haircut and then I shaved it all the way and I looked Mm -hmm. at it and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm thinning. And so what's one of the reasons I'm growing my hair now? Because I figure maybe I've got another good seven or eight years. But I mean, I know um, my dad, sorry, my mother's dad has a full head of hair. hair. He's yeah. 91, who we were talking yeah. about earlier. And, you look okay. You look yeah. all right. Yeah. You look like you're going to have that hair for a while. Two thirds of men will at least lose some hair by age 35, while by the age of 50, 85% will have experienced a significant amount of hair loss. Women uh, get hair loss as well. They get female pattern baldness and they get that thinness in this just above the um, foreheads kind of down the middle um, and uh, that can be very devastating for a lot of women regardless some degree of psychological issues may arise if men lose their hair when they're younger or women lose their hair at any age especially men who lose their hair in their early 
20. So embrace baldness, shave your head. A shaved head will grow stubble in the same manner and at the same rate as a shaved face. So it's something that's easy enough to deal with. And the public has really become comfortable with uh, the shaved head. And there's a lot of guys sporting that around I've town. got a few friends that are going to be extremely happy to hear Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. The bald men are the sexiest men, okay? And the guys with, uh, with the thinnest hair, hair <laughs> according to this study, uh, were um, actually the least sexiest men. So guys with thin, straggly hair. Another reason to shave it all off. You'll be sexier. Um, but don't, you know, don't, this isn't important in life. Don't let psychological stress be a result of your hair thinning. Um, but, you know, once you accept your baldness, accept everything about you, your confidence and your self-worth will go up drastically and you will be attracting those babes like there's no tomorrow. Or men, if you are a man who is attracted to men. If you're a bald man who likes men, then the men will notice you first. Actually, people look at a person's face first and not uh, their hair. Um, so when, but when someone doesn't have hair, um, they, there's more focus on the eyes. So it's always when what's behind the eyes, a person's soul. So it's always great to, uh, look somebody straight in the eyes, not be distracted by all that hair on top of your head. So bald guys unite. You are the sexiest ones. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. <laughs> you could be allergic to your partner. Did you know that? Have you ever heard of this, Matt? No, that sounds amazing, actually. Well, there, it's rare. It is, it's not that common, but uh, one person can actually be the certain aspects of another person that you can be allergic to, aside from the detergents that they might use or the shampoo that they might use, that kind of thing. Um, but in rare occasions, one person can be allergic to another person's sperm or semen, according to Marjorie Slankard, a clinical professor at Columbia University in New York. Um, this I read about in a family doc magazine. So if you are one of these rare people who suffers this allergy, you may experience burning and tingling after sex to full-on anaphylactic shock. So it can be very dangerous. If you use condoms, you have little to worry about on the allergy front. So, um, in turn, because you won't be necessarily coming in contact, unless, of course, you're allergic to latex. Anyway, so that's one thing. Saliva, you can be allergic to a partner's saliva. Hair, so the bald guys, again, they win again because if they don't have hair, you can't be allergic to it. Skin, and uh, of course, the things on your partner or um, detergents that they use. Anyway, it's not a fallacy, it's a reality. You can be allergic to somebody, but we're going to brighten this show up and uh, head to break. And when I come back, we're going to talk about what's coming up in the second hour of the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I'm Maureen McGrath. Can you believe the first hour of sex is over? Always flies by when you're having fun, doesn't it? For some of you guys, it goes by really quickly, like two minutes. Uh, did you see the Saturday Night Live with Donald Trump last night? I was going to ask you before <laughs> when good. we started the show. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was great. And then he thought that it was two minutes. Uh, he thought the debate, well, they, they took off on him uh, thinking the debate was only about two minutes long, but he had to stay for the full 90 minutes. Some guys think that sex lasts only two minutes because it does. Um, but <laughs> there is treatment for that. Uh, and that was one of the questions that I got on my TEDx talk as well. But coming up in the second hour of the program, uh, we're going to talk about emotional abuse and uh, some of the tactics that were used in the debate. Uh, 
Hillary Clinton wasn't perfect either. You did have to ask yourself the question afterward, was that a presidential debate? But uh, some of those tactics are actually there. They are very similar to some emotional abuse tactics that occur in relationships and often things that men in abusive relationships do to women. And that's not to say that abusive relationships are limited to men, male violence against women. It just happens to be a bit more common. Also, of course, women can abuse men in many different ways. They can withhold sex. That's a very common way that women abuse men. And that is abusive. If somebody is withholding sex from you, that is abusive, okay? Um, so, or, or if it's conditional. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that uh, talking about some of the most common questions married couples have about sex. Some language blunders successful people never make. How do you stand? Do you slouch? And do you have herpes? Uh-oh. Nope. Don't worry. Your your dating life is not over. And what would you do if you found that your husband or wife had a porn addiction? When I return, I'm going to be talking about all of these things and the Vancouver Women's Conference, which is coming up on November 12th. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.